What's up, strongest men, women, and children from blocks all around the world? I am my block strongest man, and we have Isaac from Hunger Smash Fitness joining us in just a moment. He's having some technical issues, and of course, our special guest for the evening. George, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Georgia's strongest man, California's strongest man, and now sixth place finalist at Clash in the Coast 2020, Dr. Andrew Mock. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's awesome that you were able to join us. We're very excited to have you. So um, I'm first and foremost, I'm most interested in what type of medicine do you practice and uh, how, how did that gain your interest? Yeah, uh, so uh, I wish it were a simple answer. I could just answer one specialty, <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm still in training. So I'm a family and preventive medicine resident. So two different specialties, your family medicine, physicians like your general practitioner, cradle to grave, including delivering babies. So your personal doctor, um, and then the second specialty, preventive medicine, brings in this whole bigger population piece. So it can be your local county department of public health, all the way up to the CDC. So it's a, even broader than family medicine actually is. Um, but then the big area that I focus in at my current institution is lifestyle medicine. So I spend a lot of time focusing on actually teaching people um, what they need to be doing to take care of their health with respect to nutrition, exercise, sleep, all of that sort of thing preventative things in other yes, words yes awesome yeah i think there's uh not quite enough of that going around we kind of uh treat the symptoms after they're already there and preventative sure. certainly has a, a really big big uh big value and importance for sure um so how long have you been a resident uh so i'm in a four-year program uh so uh you do your four years of undergraduate and then you go on to medical school right you do your four years of medical school once you graduate medical school you are a physician and uh you can't really practice till you do an intern year. And then after that, you can technically go do whatever you want, but you have to get someone to cover you or a hospital to hire you. So um, now I'm in the part of being board certified in family medicine. And so I'm in my third of four years to get the two different um, board certifications. That's awesome. So how does the, the knowledge base transfer over from medicine to strongman? I mean, it's a physiological activity, right? So a lot, there's got to be a lot of crossover there. Yeah, and, and this is actually the piece that got me into medicine itself. So, um, you know, when I was like 16 years old, I decided I was going to be a bodybuilder and uh, just got into lifting and lifting took me into getting interested in anatomy. And then I wanted to learn about how the food actually worked. Then I really liked teaching it. So I was like, well, how do I learn about the body, but then also teach it? And I was like, okay, well, I guess a physician is a thing to do. And then at some point along the way, I realized, okay, I actually like helping people with this sort of thing. That's awesome. Yeah, I got a biology degree and stopped there. So I have the <laughs> four year and every time somebody brings up anatomy, I say the one thing I remember about anatomy and physiology class is uh, action potential and graded potential. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, looks like Isaac's back. Hey, Isaac, what's up, buddy? Hey, sorry about that. The Wi-Fi was going haywire. So no I worries. reset it. We Hopefully it works. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Andrew's background and how he got into medicine, his residence program that he's going through and uh, the different types of medicine that he practices. Isaac's in a, uh, a medical related field as well. Do you want to kind of talk shop a little bit, Isaac? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, I work as a physical therapy assistant and then I'm going back to school to get my doctor of physical therapy at the moment. So yeah, so, some experience, some little, you know, a little hearsay here and there. <laughs> but yeah. Um, what all do you do? Sorry, I missed it. But what all do you do in medicine? Yeah. So I was explaining uh, three kind of three different specialties, um, but they're all interrelated to me. So family medicine, your general practitioner, um, seeing pretty much everybody. Uh, preventive medicine uh, is my second 
board certification I'll be going for, um, which is kind of population health focus, like bigger picture things, uh, all the way up to the CDC at the highest level. Um, but then the big area that I really kind of specialize in, if you want to say it that, is lifestyle medicine, really focusing on getting back to the root and the first line treatment of things like diet, exercise, sleep, stress management, um, substance use, and social connectedness. So I spent a lot of time focusing on exercise and actually um, am working with our national organization, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, on the resistance training curriculum that's going to go out to all the residencies. So hopefully your doctor can actually know how to tell you how to lift. <laughs> yeah, the, the one thing you mentioned there that really interested me was uh, you talked about sleep, the importance of sleep. And then you also talked earlier before Isaac got on about kind of a focus in delivering babies and whatnot. So those things kind of go together. Have you ever... Uh, come upon a situation where you have to help somebody figure out how to sleep with a newborn? Yeah. So I, uh, my wife and I actually have a five-year-old daughter, so I can speak from personal experience on that one, balancing that work and uh, training. And uh, man, the best advice there is when, when kiddo goes to sleep, so do you. You just sleep when you can in that one. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Isaac, I think I cut you off. Go ahead, buddy. Oh, 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 there we go. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I definitely agree with that. We have, uh, my wife and I have um, a two and a half year old, and then our youngest uh, is almost one. So yeah, he's a couple more days and he'll turn one. So yes, we're still kind of in that stage where like the younger one, he usually sleeps through the night, but not all the time. And um, it's it's annoying, it's, you know, and having two in diapers is also you know, not a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So uh, for everybody watching, by the way, just a quick reminder to uh, like this stream, subscribe. And then when we're all done here, head over to Isaac's Hunger Smash Fitness YouTube channel as well. Subscribe to him as well. And uh, I need to shout out the sponsor of this stream. So we are being brought to you by Garage Gym Life Media this evening. We're going to play you a one minute clip to uh, help you learn all about the awesome stuff that they're doing over there at Garage Gym Life Media. So check this out. Training in a home gym, especially if you're training by yourself, can be tough because sometimes you just don't have the motivation to go in your garage or your basement and get it done. And that's why we stream competitions every month on the Garage Gym Life Media YouTube channel. I'm John Grease of Therafon of Garage Gym Life Media. And after 20 years of training in a home gym, I can tell you that there's some days when I just don't feel like training. And those are the days when I put on some sort of training video or other strength-related content to give me the extra motivation I need to get in there and get it done. There is nothing more motivating than seeing people achieving their goals at a powerlifting meet or a strongman competition. And that's why month after month, we provide that content to you right there in the comfort of your own home on our YouTube channel. Plus, we leave it up forever so you can always just throw it on in the background anytime you need that extra dose of motivation to get you going. And that's why if you're not already a subscriber to Garage Online Media, I invite you to take advantage of this opportunity to add this powerful training tool into your arsenal because I want you to succeed right there in the best gym in town. So I hope you guys uh, in the audience got something great out of that. Head over to Garage Gym Life Media after we're done here and subscribe to them. They're doing some awesome stuff there showing the power of what's possible out of Garage Gyms. Stan Carradine went all the way to Worlds out of a Garage Gym, so definitely check them out. So yeah, back to what we were discussing, Andrew. Um, how did you first hear about Clash on the Coast? How did that first come across your desk? Because it really was, uh, I think, a, an exceptional thing that Anthony Furman put together for the middleweights, for the record breakers, had a live stream. He just did it all the right way. So how did you first get you know, introduced to that idea? 
Yeah, so Jack Jackson, uh, one of the promoters in the contest, uh, actually lived over here in San Diego. And so we're real familiar with him because I'm just uh, east of L.A. And so we knew of him and uh, there may or may not have been some conversations at Nationals last year about him and Anthony Furman having these big ideas and seeing where those were going to go. So I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but there might have been a conversation early on back in October of last year that uh, alluded to some bigger things. And then uh, Jackson kind of released his big announcement. And so we heard through the grapevine that way, too. Awesome. How did Anthony go about choosing? Because there's so many great middleweights. Uh, Anthony San Lorenzo is a good friend of the show. And uh, so how did he go about choosing? Yeah. So um, uh, from what I could tell, like the, the the 10 pros that were invited were 10 active pros that they felt, um, you know, were consistently showing good results. Um, and then we took the online qualifier um, with uh, the different events and just said, who's the best out of the in the world in these online qualifying events? So they took top 20 from the online qualifier and then a couple alternates. So I was actually the last alternate to come off the list and uh, get invited to the show. Actually, three weeks from the contest, I was invited to the show. Okay. And you are a pro? I am not a pro. So the closest I have come to my pro card is uh, um, I lost it on my first event of nationals last year when I dropped my yoke five feet from the line. But uh, I took seventh at nationals last year in 231. Yeah, another monster who was at Clash who's been on the show also before, who I believe also is not a pro, is Nick Stock. That guy's unbelievable. Yeah, he actually just had uh, – he was a Georgia Sharks man uh, this past weekend. I think him and uh, Bob Schwartz, uh, neither one that have pro guards, but both um, monsters in the field. I think Bob has taken fourth uh, multiple times at Nationals, and so just missed his pro card. Uh, been around for a long time. Yeah, Bob is Chattahoochee strongman on IG, right? That's correct, yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> awesome. So of all the events that happened at Clash, what was your favorite event? I, man, the beach events just kind of crushed it for me. Uh, I think it was just a cool opportunity to be able to do it on the sand. It was miserable to do it on the sand, but both the loading med medley and the kegs um, were really cool just as far from a spectator sport and being able to put on a show. I think those were probably the favorite events. I yeah, won't I mean, say the car because it was just miserable, but <laughs> it did look kind of cool. The car looked miserable for everybody, even the people that did real, like Nick did really well on it and it still looked miserable. Uh, but yeah, from a spectator's point of view, those sand events looked awesome. But the first thing in my mind was like, this must suck for the competitors. Yeah, uh, I think sand was everywhere by the end of the day. I think I still have sand in my gym bag over there. Uh, so a little bit of um south carolina came back with me to california <laughs> in the bottom of my bag. i'm sure i'm sure but even like with the keg how do you get any leg drive on sand yeah i actually i've i've never missed a keg in, in a contest and I, I just missed the last keg not enough oomph but if you you stepped it was going to give so you had to wait that extra split second for your feet to settle and then go um i don't know how richie m just could just launch him like he did with I mean, it's just insane explosive power, but uh, there was a little bit of adjustment that had to be done with the sand. And I don't know how to describe it. It's just kind of a feel thing. You have to be there to feel it. Yeah, even the loading medley. And uh, what's up, Juan Daniel? You've been uh, following me on my, all my World's Strongest Man uh, content, so thanks for jumping in on our Clash on the Coast content. I'm sure you'll like this just as much. Thanks for jumping in and ask any questions of our guests that you like. I'm, uh, I'm sure he'll be happy to oblige. But yeah, that... 
that loading medley also seemed really, really, what was it? Four implements? I forget. Should have been four or five. Let's think about them. So the massive blue barrel, which was the bane of everybody's existence, the anvil, um, the tire itself, and that big block. Am I missing something else? The fire hydrant. So five implements. The fire hydrant. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. So right. The fire, me and the fire hydrant, uh, actually were really close friends and my skin's finally healed. So I don't know what happened, but it took a nice chunk out of my arm Jeez. and it's finally still, the redness has just gone away. But yeah, I mean, you have, sharp, you have sharp edges all over it. And plus it was probably really hot too, baking in the sun. Oh yeah, absolutely. And any slip uh, and that was just complicated by the sand. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So you can totally tell me you don't want to talk about this, but I think I've seen on your IG lately, do you have a leg injury going on? And do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah. So I mean, the, my big thing was if I make it to this contest, I knew that I was going to do really well in, in the heats. Um, you know, my, statically, I'm the weakest guy that was at that contest because I was the last one to come in out of the qualifiers. But I had no worry at all coming out of the heats as long as I was healthy because um, I'm a, I'm a kind of a moving event specialist. And so I knew me me and Reed Tompkins um, had it pretty locked in our heat, unless Jordan Donaldson came in at like his peak form. Um, so, I mean, we came out of the heats really well. And then in that, uh, the first event of the finals, the axle clean and press, um, I just, you know, I went to continental clean from the chest up to the shoulders on the second attempt. And when I caught it, I just had a big pop. Um, and uh, pop that size that you know people can hear around you. I knew what that meant, so uh, I knew right away it was my ACL was gone. And so, typically that swells pretty fast. So we just left the knee wraps on the entire day um, and cranked them down extra tight for the car. Well, I couldn't actually move the car, so it didn't really matter. Um, but uh, and you know I was able to somewhat compete throughout the day. Um, and find I wanted really wanted to get to stones. Um, so. I thought I had the world record song in me um, going into the contest, but it wasn't there that day. Uh, but I was at least happy to tie Camby and take second on the stones. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you came in sixth overall out of 10 finalists, right? Ninth, ninth. Yeah. Ninth. Oh, ninth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, to make it, to make it to uh, the finals with an injury, it's like uh, JF Corona in worlds, like just right. doing <laughs> unbelievable stuff with a leg injury. So it's good. No, I mean, I'm definitely happy. Um, this is my first big injury that I've ever had to deal with. I had the ACL reconstructed tomorrow will be four weeks. So, um, man, it's like everything, like having to train myself how to walk properly. I'm not having trouble moving around, but just like going up and down stairs, um, takes a big conscious effort. Um, thankfully I can do body weight squats to a box now. And like over the next week or two, I'll be able to start adding a tiny amount of weight. So like, a 15 pound bar or something like that. Um, so just be a steady process. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have a question for you from the audience. So Juan Daniel says, I think if I remember correctly, Mock did zero reps on the car deadlift, but deadlift was looking good in training. Was fatigue setting in and how hard is it doing multiple events over several days? Oh man, that car deadlift. I, I thought my car deadlift would, uh, it's actually been one of those events I've had a lot of trouble with and strongman. I don't know if I've ever hit a rep in a contest, but I think I really figured it out over this past year. Um, and Alex Bromley, who's a good side handle deadlifter um, and the owner of the gym where I train and my training partner, he was hitting some weight and I felt like I was hanging with him on the car deadlift. So I knew I'd really brought it up, but that thing was just heavy. I, you know, um, Sean Shoemaker busted out however many thousands of reps he did, and everybody I was just, just like, gonna mention him, yeah, he was game over. But uh, man, that was actually a really low point for me because I, you know, the knee was hurt, um, and I felt like the event could have been good for me. 
Um, but I just didn't budget. So I, I'm over there sitting on the sidelines just thinking, all right, I'm done. Uh, I'm not going to do any more. And then I keep hearing the car not move at all. And I'm like, oh, Dan zeroed it. Everybody else is zeroing it. Okay, maybe it's actually heavy and I'm just not, you know, a complete waste of space right now. So it was an interesting moment where I was like, okay, all right, it's fine. We'll, we'll get back there. What was the second part of that question? I missed it. You're, uh, you're still muted, John. Oh, sorry. Well, you can read it. <laughs> How hard is it doing multiple events over several days? Yeah, so that was interesting. Um, I don't know. I actually feel like we do a pretty good bit of training volume. Um, and we're basically in a desert. So we have, I mean, this past week, it was almost 110 here. And so I feel like I hold up pretty well um, as far as a lot of volume and lots of events. So going into the finals, even though I got injured in the first event, I felt like I had not really done too much. Um, you know, the moving events were pretty fast. So I think that's where guys were really feeling the fatigue as if it was taking them a full minute of work uh, to finish that up. Um, so I think guys were fatigued, but I think what's unique about the, the top uh, 10, uh, 11, including Tyler, is that these are the fast guys. So they probably had a whole lot less fatigue um, than the guys were taking, you know, the full minute to do the moving events. Good answer. Um, Juan also asks, uh, do both of you prep for heats and finals? Which do you focus on more heats events or finals events? So Juan, just so you're aware, our other guest, Anthony San Lorenzo, couldn't make it for a good reason. He's still training <laughs> for this evening, but Isaac's my co-host. He does uh, compete amateur as well. So probably they both can answer you, but we'll let Andrew go first. Yeah. So I, I will answer like from a general perspective on how uh, me and Alex prepped since we were both doing the show. Um, but my problem was I actually wasn't taking the prep as seriously because I didn't find out till about three weeks before. So it's honestly why I think I got injured. It's not that I was like overtrained or anything. I think I was actually undertrained for the specific events. Um, and so I wasn't quite prepared for all of the events to be pushed that heavy, uh, specifically the clean where my ACL popped. Um, but I mean, for me specifically, I definitely focused on all of the things that uh, I'm not good at. So the squat, um, the block press, the log, I had no discomfort with. We actually went down to Ode Haugen's a couple weeks out to do the inch dumbbell. Um, so all the things that I wasn't good at and then everything else was just moving events. So I never really trained uh, the events specifically themselves. What I actually did was I just took a bunch of implements and just ran them back and forth and loaded them onto something and then just chained in some sled drags and some farmer carries because they were all like general movements. You just had to be conditioned and move fast. So it wasn't like those had anything specific that was like a technical skill that had to be very quick. Yeah. So in terms of the overhead medley, did you actually train those implements in that order? It was, what was it? Log block, then circus. Yeah. Um, so we did do one run through um, with the, the log and the block, but the, I think the block is actually, it's a, it's a pretty decent weight for a lot of these guys. So 250 block, I mean, Nadia Stowards can, uh, She's actually just in the gym down the road, maybe 20 minutes away. But I feel like oh, she's really? kind of yeah. yeah. Uh, so her, she's she trains at Jacob Finnerty's gym, who is um, outside of his own injury, is pretty close to the the world record block press uh, on any given day. Um, so, but yeah, I trained the block probably the most out of all of those because um, I knew I could get a, a rep or two with the dumbbell um, with my my dumbbell split jerk that I've somehow learned to do. Um, but the log was like never really an issue. A 300 log is there on every day except in an extremely bad one 
Interesting. So Tyler Young, is this the Tyler Young? He says that card is also yeah. insanely heavy. Tyler, if you want to come on, uh, please let us know. Isaac will shoot you over a link. Uh, Isaac, look up Tyler Young. I think it's Tyler Young Strongman. Let me see. Tyler Young Strongman on IG. Send him a link, please, if you wouldn't mind. And this is from a guy that hit a 700-pound uh, squat for a triple just to show that uh, he could do it even though Robert Obers couldn't in the past. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Poor Obi. He gets so much heat. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you, Andrew, about that squat because uh, a lot of guys zeroed the squat, right? Like, at World's Strongest Man, that type of setup is common with the giant globes on the end. But for middleweights, kind of how common is it? Why was it difficult? Were the pads uneven or is it just difficult to stabilize? Um, yeah, there's definitely a strategy to it. And I think it's not something many of us have ever done. Um, so if you do not hit the pads correctly, you can get stapled uh, and dumped forward. Now, the strong squatters are still going to be strong squatters. Um, but, you know, the, the weird piece that came into play was uh, we all had our heights measured on a very flat surface. And then things changed day of, so we had to move it to a slightly different surface. And that kind of changed people's squats, squat heights. So, um, you know, a strong squatter is going to be a strong squatter. But that little bit of height difference uh, can matter. So if you got someone ended up slightly above parallel, it was a whole lot easier than if you had someone that was like, oh, that's very solid IPF level of uh, below parallel. Um, but I mean, I, you know, like Nick Best measured every single person. So there was a very solid attempt to do the best they can to make it fair. But without like, I don't know, some sort of laser and <laughs> increments that aren't like spread over an inch or two holes, I don't think there's a way to make it any better than it was. Yeah, you bring up another really good point. What do you think about strongman events having um, judging done so manually? Like even at World Strongest Man with the moving events, there was some discussion. I had a bunch of live streams covering World Strongest Man. There was discussion about, um, you know, why don't we have some sort of laser? Like I'm just some guy from the block. And like even I was able to purchase for a small amount of money, uh, two little batons that measure how fast I run from point A to point B. So like, why are they still using stopwatches? Um, I mean, I think it's just cost, right? It's hard to ask every promoter to do such a thing, and uh, especially if it's not being supported at like the national or international level. But I think uh, it would make the biggest difference probably in the weight class athletes, because if you look at like heavyweight times, there's some pretty decent splits. Very rarely are you coming down to like tenths of seconds when uh, you're talking about events. But man, with these foot races and um, the, the middleweights uh, and the 175s, you can see, you know, five seconds can be 30 places at nationals uh, when you're talking about a yoke run or even like three seconds or two seconds. I think at the Arnold, uh, the last Arnold they had in that farmer's carry was like 10 places. Wow. That's crazy. Um, and, and then the other thing I really noticed at Clash was People had a lot of trouble with that chain drag. What's so hard about? And that was part of a medley as well, was it not? Uh, so it was sandbag, sandbag into chain drag. Yeah, I don't know. It was fine. Fine <laughs> for you. It. Yeah, it's probably like one of my better events is like a reverse drag. And uh, uh, I was talking with Tommy Sharp afterwards, and he was trying to figure out how my time was slower than his. He's like, "You're just ridiculously fast on the chain." Um, and man, the chain's kind of interesting. It's really like if you have the grip you're holding on to it it's about getting it up off the ground and just moving the feet fast and getting comfortable leaning back and driving those legs um so i don't think i'm a good truck puller but um reverse drag on the chain uh pretty good and actually that's the same event like the 
kind of sandbag Husafel uh, Stone keg that I won at OSG uh, in 2019, um, just beating Isaac Mays by like two or three seconds. Yeah, Isaac did really well at the Clash as well. It was awesome watching him compete. He's also very fast. Yeah, he. Uh, it was funny. Uh, me and Alex Brownlee were talking about who we thought were going to take the whole thing. And we're going through heats, and we're like, oh, we think this person's the favorite, this person's the favorite. And then we get to the heat that Isaac's in, and we name everybody in the heat. And then we kind of like spaced on Isaac being there, and we're like, all right, redo. Isaac's taking the whole thing. Very likely that he could win the entire contest. <laughs> he, he is he is out man. Him and Mel, like the true power couple, right? <laughs> Literally. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to get them on my channel together too, because she said, what was it? It was a Canadian record at least, right? And then didn't it become more than that on the overhead? Uh I know she got the Canadian record on the axle. I can't remember if she got the world record on the axle. I think she so did, right? Because didn't, before, uh, I think I think Corey Butler record. said it and then and then she, yes. Yes, she beat Corey Butler, yeah. So multiple world records and national records in the same weekend. So I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Impressive. It's amazing. It's it's amazing where you hear, um, you know, a, a promoter or I guess you would call Anthony a promoter in that sense, right? You would you hear him say, "I'm going to make all these opportunities for records," and you think like, the sport has been going on for so long, like you can't expect records to be broken every time, and then they are. It's like the the uh, standard is really going up and up and up. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, shoot, uh, the first nationals I did in Vegas, granted, I was a 200, but, but still a middleweight. Um, the log was 275, and I think five or six reps won that. Um, and then this past year, what was it, 295 at nationals, kind of still the same thing, five or six reps won it. Um, but it's just like the, the bar is being raised and that line is being moved. I mean, before, if you, if you pulled 700, on a deadlift, you're a pro. And now this is like, you got guys like Furman um, and Sean, like that are around 800 pound deadlifts. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. I mean, Sean was special with that car deadlift. He was just doing stuff nobody else was doing. It was unbelievable. He yeah. actually, uh, I, I was trying to get him on for this evening. It just didn't work out scheduling wise, but we may have him on a future episode. Uh, future episode. Uh, by the way, it looks like Isaac that uh, I reached out to Tyler. You probably did too. I think he's going to try to join in a few minutes, so he might get on screen with us, Andrew, if you don't mind. Oh, that would be awesome. He's a great dude. I love him to death. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So we get another great question from Juan Daniel in the comments area. I think Mock walks around with resting abs. Do you think you'll get stronger if you gain more weight and lose the abs? Mark Henry telling Hafthor years ago to lose the abs comes to mind. Yeah, uh, I do I do remember him uh, saying that at the Arnold, like, this is strong, man, you don't need to have abs. No, for sure. This is actually one of my big struggles. I, I mean, I'm six foot four. Uh, me, um, like I'm one of the tallest guys in the, the class. I know that I'd probably be better if I weighed 300 pounds, but uh, for some medical conditions that make it hard for me to eat. Um, and then, you know, uh, time-wise, I do struggle to put on weight. And so I think the heaviest I've been is 270. Um, but it's like just taking every bit of effort I can to drink down that food because it's mostly liquid at that point, no vegetables and not taking my own advice there, just getting everything out that doesn't have calories in it and shoving it down. So, yeah, I think, you know, the goal is definitely gain as much weight over time. Um, but it goes back and forth depending on work and how things are going. How far off the maximum uh, for the weight class are you currently? <laughs> so I would say most of the guys probably walk around anywhere 250, 260 um, as 231 athletes. And I did not have to weight cut at all. I was walking around 235. So, Wow. Yeah. Anthony San Lorenzo cuts for sure because he's uh, 
he and I got talking about our Italian heritage and how we like to eat. And uh, he, he said he does have to cut. <laughs> so, I mean, I think uh, Mike Gonzalez, who um, he's really a, a 200 pound athlete. So he was the lightest guy. And I think I was the, the next lightest. I'm trying to remember Tommy Sharp's a pretty light guy. He walks around around 240 relative to the class, but uh, uh, Reed Tompkins as well. Uh, another extremely tall athlete, but he, he walks around around 240 as well. Uh, do you have a certain competitor that you really enjoyed competing with the most and just generally, not just in that show and multiple shows, you kind of like look forward to uh, meeting up with that guy and competing, whether it's because you're more uh, friendly with him or because he kind of brings the best out of you? Yeah, I wouldn't say there's an individual person. I, I guess I've kind of realized that maybe I have a height bias. <laughs> so it's like I can relate to all the guys, but actually Reed, uh, he is an amazing guy. He's just, uh, you know, the epitome of sportsmanship. He's super kind. Uh, and he cracks me up with his like mid lifting commentary, making a joke about himself <laughs> and just keeps going. Uh, so, you know, even though he tore his biceps on the stone, you know, he's just still head, so head is held high. He's like, I know what to do. I've done this before. I got it. Yeah. And Reed was in your group in the heats, right? So uh, it, I believe you tied in points. So unlike world's strongest man, it's just, you both go through, there isn't any special rules there. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would have loved to stone off. I, I have, with every bit of confidence that I could have taken, uh, everybody else in the group. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not trying to call Jordan Donaldson out, but that would have been a good one. But uh, you know, I don't ever plan on losing stones if I can help it. Um, I don't know that I'm the best stone loader in our weight class. I mean, uh, Isaac Mays and Nick Campbell are certainly monsters, but um, I have every bit of intent to give them a run for their money anytime the stones are there, especially the series. Yeah. How did you first get uh, kind of introduced to the Atlas Stone and how did you get good at it? I mean, I, I think everybody kind of gets introduced to it just watching ESPN in the middle of the night or on Christmas with World's Strongest Man. I mean, that's that's where my interest came from. Um, but um, I didn't have stones because I was uh, training in my garage for a long time when I was in med school. Like the closest gym that was a strongman gym was about three hours away from me. Um, so um, that's at like Growler's Gym over there near the Atlanta area. And uh, so I never really had stones. And so the next closest thing I had up until my first contest uh, was a sandbag. And so I think it still carries over a lot just to do sandbag loads um, and then getting used to the stone itself after that. So, you know, I still have the stone molds in my garage from the, all the stones I've made. Um, but I guess at some point I just realized height is really good for stones and just kept going with it. Awesome. Are you training on your own out of your garage at all these days or strictly out of a gym? No, now most of the days, uh, my garage training is actually for other physicians that I'm teaching how to lift. Uh, and, um, then I'm, uh, going over to empire barbell in Redlands, California. So it's about three miles from my house, um, and training over there with Alex Bromley and Eric King. That's really interesting. So how did this program of uh, training other physicians come to be? That sounds very interesting and very unique to you. Yeah. So I actually chose my program again, because of the lifestyle medicine thing um, and the institution that I'm at in Loma Linda is uh, a big on nutrition. And um, that was the piece that I always was missing. I, I knew that I could handle the exercise piece and the exercise in medicine. Uh, so I wanted to come here for learning. And then it just kind of fell into my lap. It's like, all right, you're the exercise person. We need someone to write this curriculum. You seem to know what you do, what, what you're doing, and you compete at this level. Um, and uh, actually, I was at Coast 
Clash on the Coast when uh, two of the attending physicians that I work under, they just messaged me like, hey, we need someone to teach us. Um, so I've done several classes and not really seminars, but um, presentations at conferences to basically just say, all right, these are the six compound movements that you want to do to meet the physical activity guidelines. And so now I'm just kind of teaching that more and more um, to other physicians and, and training them just on their resistance training. That's really interesting. You, you mentioned Loma Linda. That's a, a city, right? But it's also the name of a health food brand that's been around for about 30 years. I used to run a health food store, so I remember Loma Linda. Yeah, so uh, Loma Linda, California is one of the five blue zones in the world where people live the longest. So it's like that's why they, they have a, a lot of the nutrition and lifestyle research here. Um, and when, it's a good place for me to come learn about things. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I was asking you about your gym because actually Johnny Waz, who was in your group, is probably 35 minutes from here, and he told me come by anytime. So I may just try out my first strongman gym. What do you think? Should I go train with him? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been around for a long time. I don't remember how many Arnold's in a row he's been to, probably like 12 or more Arnold's. Um, but uh, that was his car. So I don't know if I can tell you to go to Johnny's gym because that car is there. Well, was it really? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, but no, he, he's a great guy. Um, he does a lot for the sport um, and he's, he's absolutely a character and uh, makes the contest a lot of fun. Yeah, I was just looking at his IG profile and then I just DM'd him. I reached out and I said, hey, I see you're in New Jersey. Whereabouts are you? And it turns out, yeah, we're like 35, 40 minutes apart. And he told me, come by, train anytime, buddy. So uh, yeah, I might just take him up on that. That should be fun. Yeah, him and Camby, I think, just got back from uh, that Russian contest that they were doing. Okay. Yeah, Nick doesn't take any breaks, huh? He wins Clash and he just goes and uh, dominates everywhere, huh? It's unbelievable. He's really on a roll these days. I think, would he come third in this uh, this newest contest? Yeah, it looked like third. Yeah, unbelievable. Isaac, I've been doing a lot of talking. Jump in, buddy. Don't let me do all the talking. No, I'm, I'm having a blast. Well, my Wi-Fi still kind of freezes every once in a while. Um, but I was going to say, with, the, with all the lifestyle training with the physicians, do you do any like stone lifting with them or are you just doing compound movements and stuff like that? Um, so right now I focus uh, on the compound movements mostly because I think it's, feel that's the biggest bang for their buck in terms of teaching them so they can teach someone else. Um, at the moment, anyone is interested, uh, we will throw some in, some strongman stuff in there. I do like people tend to shy away from the stones a lot the moment they see my arms and see if there's any scrapes or anything like that. Um, but we'll throw in farmer carries, uh, sled drags. Sometimes I can get people to do yoke carries, but mostly it's like farmers, sled drags, sandbags, that sort of things. Uh, everybody wants to flip a tire too. So we actually, um, our new intern class is coming in uh, July 1st and I'll be training them, I think on July 16th. So I'm just gonna trick them into thinking that this is what we do here. Like we, we just come lift together. And so then it's going to be a pattern and they're just going to say, all right, Tuesday or Thursdays and Sundays, we're going to lift together and uh, keep it being a thing. That's awesome. Yeah, what, I, I always ask this question to um, whenever we have strong men or strong women on, what are your techniques for yoke? Like how have you gotten good at yoke and what are the, what are the various techniques that you try to do every time that help you be successful there? Yeah. Uh, so for me, um, just general event training. Uh, I always think about it as a like a fast, heavy, far approach. Um, so I'm like choosing a lower weight on the days that I'm training fast and just really focusing on moving those feet fast and trying to get faster with the yoke. Um, I maybe even like set a distance and say, I'm going to do sets until I fall below this time. 
Um, and then the heavy is exactly what you think. Just, you know, getting used to a heavy yoke is a process. Um, so if you're not used to 900 and going from 700 to 900, it's just going to, your feet are going to feel glued and you can't move. So there does have to be some times. And I keep, typically keep those much shorter than contest runs. Um, and But I think one of the big things is actually building some of that leg endurance um, so you can keep the power going the whole time. And those are the far runs. So if we're doing like a 60-foot yoke run in competition, we will train um, 180, 200-foot yoke runs at um, somewhere between like 75% um, and 90%, depending on how heavy the contest is. So like maybe uh, 650 yoke we would do for that distance. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just speed. Um, I could talk about bracing techniques. I don't know where you want to go with that. But. Yeah, we can go anywhere yeah. you want. I, I Bracing techniques, I'm always interested in what do you do with your breathing? Yeah, so actually um, that first breath, like in my head, I'm like, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a push out on the post guy. Um, that's how I, I feel like it's stable. So I can also push forward to keep it from swinging too much. Um, but it's like athlete ready, set. And as soon as they say set, um, I'm taking my breath and I'm actually driving up in my feet so I can be going on the go. Um, and I probably hold my breath, um, if it's a fast yoke for about a third of the course. Um, and so I can really like, I'm valsalving while I'm picking up speed. And then I'll do that whole like fighter pilot type breath that we love to do in strongman where it's like that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. For the rest of the, the, the yoke. Yeah, we, we get that kind of feedback a lot from strongmen and strong women. Just kind of uh, holding your breath makes that sort of pressurized soda can type uh, situation where you can just brace yourself a little bit better. And then with your uh, hand positioning, I talked with Big Laws about this, and he said the same thing. Like some people, when they first start out, tend to want to wrap their hands around. You don't do that. Like you, you can't stabilize like that. Yeah, I, I've tried the whole pull-in technique, and so I'm sure it I'm sure it's great for someone that doesn't have flexibility, but I mean, I think about it, like if you're squatting a bar and you can get really stacked and you got good flexibility to get close, that typically is better than um, having to be way out because you can create more tension. Right, right. And I want to say hi to World's Strongest Blacksmith who just joined us. What's up, Tyler? <laughs> nice to see you again. I think he was at, uh, at Georgia Strongest Man this past weekend too. He was. You know Tyler Haynes, right? Yeah, I, I, I think I saw him, uh, maybe uh, his first open show, if I remember correctly. I believe it was. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he did uh, definitely improve this time around. We uh, Tyler's a good friend of the show as well. Awesome. So uh, the other thing I was wondering, so Isaac and I like to talk kind of current events sometimes. Well, a lot of times on these shows. And uh, feel free to totally deflect and not talk about this. But I have a doctor and I have to ask. So okay. in the... So in the news today, Rob Kearney talked about uh, coming down with testicular cancer. And I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about that. Um, you know, just generally, what are your thoughts about that announcement and what's the medical perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, Rob's the demographic, right? So like cancer, we typically think, you know, people like 50s, 60s, 70s, maybe they smoke, maybe they drink or think about lung cancer, stomach cancer, those things. But testicular cancer is one of those things that hits young guys. So if you're like, hey, man, I feel something down there, don't be afraid to go get it checked out. So you're, this is what gets guys in their, their late teens, early 20s. Um, so I really I didn't actually know that about Rob, but I really feel for him. Um, so but uh, what, I'll, what I'll say to Rob is uh, how many tours did Lance 
win after he was only on one ball. So, Rob, I expect uh, some World's Strongest Man titles uh, if you have to go down uh, with the testicular cancer. Yeah, and uh, honestly, the reason why I thought of Rob is because we were talking yoke, and I consider Rob Kearney the prototypical yoke walker. Like, if I wanted to learn yoke, that's the guy I would go to. He's just incredible. So I kind of uh, put that together with the news I heard today. And yeah, I, I think he's going to pull through. I had a similar situation, what, two, three years ago. So you being a doctor, you would know what this is. Most people don't, but I have Kaposi sarcoma. So um, I can't, had a scab on my ankle that kept growing. I got it checked out. They said, it's just a wart. They send it out to be checked and it came back Kaposi. So I got an oncologist and uh, that one is slow growing. So they just freeze them off if I find another one. But that's the whole key, right? Early detection, get checked out. A lot of guys are meatheads. Don't be that way. Go get checked out. And if you can catch these things early, a lot of them are, are treatable. Yeah. And this is like, I think a, a topic I would like to go into and I will dance delicately, delicately around the rules. Feel but free. There are some things that uh, a lot of guys are doing in strongman. And uh, there is well-documented stigma in the literature that, um, medical professionals, including physicians, have a bias against things that people do to make them stronger. Um, and so this leads to what? Like people don't wanna to go to the doctor to get checked out and they're like, oh, my doctor doesn't know anything about the things that I'm doing to make myself better at the sport. Um, so what happens is like these guys get side effects from the things they're doing and the, their blood pressure goes unchecked, their kidneys go unchecked, their liver goes unchecked. Um, when in reality, like every other type of substance um, that I see in my practice, we take care of those people and do all the things. Like if you're a heroin user, I make sure you have clean needles and don't have other types of infections, all of those types of things to reduce the harm of what you're doing to your body. So, um, you know, if you don't have some physician, like a primary care physician in your life that can help you monitor um, side effects of things you may be doing, um, go find one because we are supposed to take care of your health regardless of what you're doing. Uh, and I, I just, you know, I think we all know someone that has uh, passed like far too young uh, and probably could have been caught if they had good medical care. Yeah, I really do appreciate that message from somebody, uh, you know, as skilled and experienced as you are. So I think that's a really valuable uh, piece of information for the audience. Tyler's here, by the way. So let's let him in. Tyler Young. What's up, Tyler? Hey, How man. are you? What's happening, fellas? How y'all doing tonight? Thanks for jumping on. We really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Andrew said he was going to beat me up if I didn't let you on. So uh, <laughs> said he was going to drop a yoke on me. Well, he's too quick, so you can't get away from him. <laughs> so Tyler, correct me if I'm if I re don't remember this correctly, but uh, you made it as a finalist at, on fan voting, right? That is correct. Uh, my mom must really love me because she must have voted all the times that she could. Uh, <laughs> Slip me right in there. So I think it was a lot more than just her, buddy. <laughs> I think it was a lot more than just her. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I walked into the finals room and uh, uh, Dr. Mock went, may remember this. I walked in and like that's when it finally had been unveiled that I'd like won the fanbo. And I was like, buckle in. I was like, y'all got to run around and be fast for the last couple of days. I said, I finally get to stand still and pick things up now. And uh, so, yeah, I, I had advice of uh, Dr. Mock. I had much better events in the finals than I did in the heats. So was that fan vote something that Anthony had planned all along, or was it impromptu? No, um, I knew a couple months ahead of time that he was planning on doing it. I don't know that he's going to do it next year. Um, he hasn't said one way or another. Um, but, yeah, I knew pretty well going into it. I, hopefully I wasn't going to have to rely on it, but, you know, 
things happen. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Carolyn Loomis has joined us in the audience, and she says, Clash on the Coast was the best. R.I.P. World's Strongest Man. No fan stream or live stream. <laughs> Anthony did it right, I gotta say. Like, there's... I understand the whole TV production... Well, I don't understand TV production at all, but I understand the idea of wanting to get, you know, commercial sponsors on a TV broadcast and all that, but Strongman has really been growing a lot in the last few years, and there's a lot of demand on live stream. Big Laws was... Uh, we were talking earlier today, and he told me he had 62,000 viewers on his last live stream, so... You know, there's a lot of demand that I think if they charge a nominal pay-per-view, they can uh, they can do it. And um, Anthony didn't even charge anything above the course boards um, yeah, yearly yeah. subscription or whatever. So kudos to him, man. He did an awesome show all the way around. No extra fees, had record breakers, had the best middleweights. It just was freaking awesome all around. Yeah. And then we'll still be on ESPN July 4th. So, yep. you know, get your, get your Nathan's hot dog and uh, <laughs> uh, come join us. Yeah. I don't know. I can't eat a Nathan's hot dog. Dr. Mock will tell me that's bad for my nutrition. There's no such thing as bad food, only less health-promoting food. That's what I'll tell you. Ooh, there you go. There you go. I'll cover my Nathan's hot dog in a handful of blueberries. How's that? Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> nice. So, Tyler, what was your favorite event in the finals? Uh, my favorite event was probably the car deadlift. Um, I don't know. I just got a really good position, was able to, you know, get after it, so. That's what yeah, we were the most. We were talking about how that was tough for a lot of guys, uh, except for real, like maybe you and Sean, but everybody else right. had, had some trouble with that. Well, how did you do so was, well? Was it super heavy? The frame was pretty unique. Um, most of the ones, if you hit them real hard, they'll give you a little bit of flex, but that one didn't have any flex at all. It felt like it was, you know, ratchet strapped to the ground. Um, so it was just a real gradual push. You just had to push through it. And um, what I mean, as silly as it sounds, they got easier as they went once you kind of figured out how to work the frame and what position you need to be in. And um, it, it just kind of got easier as it went. So Awesome. So World's Strongest Blacksmith says, I wish you could drop down to uh, 105. I'm sitting at 125 right now. Yeah, you could compete with these awesome strongmen. Everybody else does. So. It's true. We were talking about that earlier. Uh, Andrew and maybe he said, who else? Tommy Sharp maybe are pretty close to the weight, but uh, everybody else is kind of cutting. Yeah, I walk I walk at about 2.30. So I just didn't eat breakfast that morning and went and weighed in. So. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. So, um, I, I mean, the biggest question on my mind is, was the food provided at Clash on the Coast vegan burgers like uh, World's Strongest? <laughs> I don't know about Dr. Mock, but did you eat that ribeye at the hotel? Was, I did not. Man, I did not, you missed yeah. out. They had uh, this ribeye you just charged to your room, and it was just like the size of your head. Like, it was gigantic. Came with Brussels sprouts. It was good. It was real good. So the opposite of vegan burgers. Yeah, I ate one of those, like, every day, and some days I ate two. I'm not even going to lie. So. Yeah, I, like I mean, that really is, like, the big thing about Clash is, you know, we've gone to nationals and – uh St. Louis, Missouri or yeah uh, and like Montgomery, Alabama. <laughs> Vegas was interesting, right? That was a nice place to actually go on vacation. Um but it's like we spend all of our time, a lot of us are taking vacation to go to these competitions. And like this is like might be our family vacation. So this is one of the first times it was like a real like, hey, this is somewhere my family might actually want to go and I might actually be able to relax. So I think that was really what slammed home clash for me is that it was at a good spot. We were all in the same place. We got to hang around with each other afterward. Um, and, you know, while getting to compete at the top level. 
Yeah, it was a beautiful day, too. At least it looked like it from the stream. <laughs> so, uh, Tyler, we were talking about the overhead medley with Dr. Mock earlier. How was that for you? Like, so it was a three-part medley, right? Which, uh, <laughs> what, what, what did you what did you think? I, of I see him shaking his head. So where my uh, heat ended up being dissolved, um, I got moved into a different heat. So I got to go last. Um, and up until that point, I think only one person had made it to the uh, inch dumbbell and they, they had only gotten a rep. So I just had to, you know, kind of not mess up. So I just kind of walked. I think that's why he was grinning and shaking his head. Um, because as far as the press medley goes, I mean, you have other heats that had like, uh, I don't know, uh, whatever heat Bromley was in. I know a couple of them got like five and six and seven reps, um, which I fully intended to be there four, six and seven if I had to be, but I was super thankful. I only had to do two. <laughs> Yeah, stark uh, comparison to my group, which nobody made it past the block. It was our last event, but yeah. none of us uh, hit the block. I think me and Donaldson uh, and, yeah, probably the closest to getting it locked out and would have gotten a couple of reps on the dumbbells, I think, yeah. easily. But uh, the block definitely was a big roadblock for our group. Yeah. Yeah, I actually was watching, you know, as a fan. And so I root hard for Anthony San Lorenzo. He's a friend of the show. And uh, so I, I was watching and I'm like, he locked out that block. He, I'm yelling at the screen. He locked it out. So I messaged him right away. I'm like, dude, you locked that out. He said, yeah, I uh, uh, put in a, what do you say? Like I uh, argued about it and they said, okay. And I'm like, yeah, they said, okay. But like the dumbbells, your best part of that medley and you didn't get to do it. Like this is BS. So uh, I don't know what you guys thought watching it in person. I mean, the block just took me, I mean, we had to do it first. So I got pretty fortunate. Uh, so that was our first event. Um, and I mean, it just, took people's feelings is what it did. Like it, I mean, I watched some really good pressers get stumped by that block. Um, I mean, it was just heavy. Uh, and the platform that we were pressing on was a little spongy. It wasn't a big deal, depending on how you press the block anyway. Um, I'm glad I don't split jerk it anymore because that would have been problematic. Um, but I, I pretty well just like to row the block to my chest and then hinge under it and then strict press it. So I didn't really get much, you know, bounce back from the platform. So was it a like was it an actual Mauser block with the feet on it? Okay. Okay. So at least you can get your fingers under it a little bit. Right. Yeah. Uh is that something that I mean I know that that implement is hard for some people to get their hands on to practice with. How easy was it to to prep with a block? I bought one so I could train with it. Um, around, uh, around where I'm at, we see blocks frequently. So it was a, you know, an easy investment. Uh, but I spent a lot of money buying implements for, um, clash specifically so I could put my hands on it. So, yeah, I heard, uh, Mauser's not making them anymore, but Frank Gonzalez started making them. Yep. Yep. Frank's a good dude and he does some good work. I ended up getting my block from, um, uh, Clint Moneymaker down in North Carolina. Clint's yeah. Mine, does great work. Um, I mean, and not... I, I love Frank and I love Frank's work too. I just happen to go with Clint for the block. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Clint's an awesome dude. He's on a lot of the Facebook groups that, uh, that I'm a member of. Um, I don't know if you know, Costin Sutton, he's a good dude from North Carolina too. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So um, we were talking squats before Tyler, what'd you think of the squats? So like, Again, like world's strongest man, it's common to have it set up that way. But a lot of guys struggled with squats. Like, is it a balance and stability thing where the pads uneven? Like what made it so hard? That was a lot of it. I think, I don't think that people were prepared to squat with a fixed implement. And I think 
that you saw it in a lot of people's training. If they trained to dive bomb it, I knew they weren't going to do well um, because that fixed implement was just going to staple them. So my first rep was all about feeling about or feeling out how I needed to squat. So I almost treated every rep like a box squat. You'll see if you see any pictures or videos, my feet are super, super wide. I open at the knees first and then I sit back. And once I found the pads and I knew what position I needed to keep my torso in, it was smooth sailing. Um, but, and, and kind of like with the car deadlift, once you get past the first one, you know, it, it gets easier to put a sequence of reps together. Yeah. Cause I, I was watching Anthony do it and like, he kind of, uh, bounced a little bit and then powered through two reps anyway. Like that yeah. was, that was the sight to behold. Like that guy <laughs> did not stop. <laughs> Isaac, you want to jump in? No, I'm actually having a blast just listening. Um, I, I think you're running this well right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I was hoping that we could maybe get uh, Bobby on as well because, uh, well, but he's just coming back from World Sharks, man. I was messaging with him a little bit, and uh, he uh, he got hurt there. But what uh, what do you think of the new uh, log record? Tyler, you want to take a shot at it anytime soon, or the uh, the American record? I mean, uh, the American record. Uh, I'm probably a, quite a few years removed from that. However, um, along with the Super Series qualifier, Anthony is holding a world record uh, log breaker or log record breakers show at the Waco Super Series show. Um, so I think it's going to be me, Camby, Demarinas, um, Anthony Deal. And I believe Isaac is coming down from that. And uh, Jesse Nelson, uh, he's an, just an insane presser. So um, it's a good group of guys. Um, they, we all better bring a good log in it because Sean D. Marinas and Nick Camby are not coming to share a record with anybody. So, yeah. When is that supposed to be? At September 4th. It's in Waco. And that's Tommy Sharp's Super Series show, right? Mm -hmm. He's over there. Yep. And the record right now is what, 410? Yeah, Rob Kearney's had it for like 10 years. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. It's really cool. So you say it's Tommy Sharp show. It's really cool, like how many uh, athletes actually promote as well. Is that uh, as common as it seems to me as a fan? Uh, I think that, I mean, and not to speak for him or anything like that, um, but the main issue, in my opinion, in Strongman has kind of been like, people not really knowing what the athlete needs taking care of the athletes. So he wanted to kind of put it in our hands because I'm promoting the national super series show as well in January. Um, because I think that he knew that they would be competent hands and we would look out for the athletes first and foremost. Um, and, and again, not to speak for him, but I think that that's kind of, you know, the direction that he wants to move in. That's great. Yeah, it's anything we can do to grow the sport is definitely a, a positive, positive move for sure. Did you guys catch any of World's Strongest Man? You have any uh, opinions on what you may have seen or not seen but heard? <laughs> yeah, I just followed the spreadsheets a little bit, but uh, you know, I think it's awesome. Uh, spoiler time, I don't know. <laughs> it's awesome that uh, Tom was able to take it. I think a lot of people were hoping shock and pull out number five, but uh, Tom just looked. Uh, in pristine form and you know that that stone run was disgusting yeah yeah no uh, no spoilers we've been all up and through the spreadsheets on my <laughs> channel don't worry thousands of people tuned in for that which was uh i'm very very thankful for by the way but no yeah it was it was crazy because tom won the first two finals events which 
would make you think it's out of reach. And then Shaw just made up points and made up points on the log and on the deadlift. And then was like, damn, he's only a point away. If he wins the stones, he's going to win this. And uh, again, we haven't seen any footage, but I heard he bobbled one of the stones. So it'd be interesting to see that in, in the U.S. in July. And unfortunately, the U.K. has to wait till December to see it. And I think because uh, Brian still got third in the stones, I think, even with, with uh, missing the one. Um, yeah, so he still did poorly, but he was like eight seconds behind Tom or something like that. It was something ridiculous where it's like, even if he would have made it in all the way through, uh, he probably wouldn't have caught Tom. It would have been close, but I don't think he could have caught him. Yeah, Maxime slipped in between them there into second place. He really, he really showed a lot. Max, when I had him on my channel, told me, you know, I've been working stones like since last World Strongest Man. People are going to be surprised, and uh, he he really brought it with stones for sure. Max is turning into a great athlete, that's for sure. A man after your own heart, Andrew, huh? The awesome stone lifter. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I, hopefully, there we'll have a good series coming up in the the two thirty ones, and uh, I'll be back to full health, and we can see to really test this theory about the stones and me and where I fall with them. Yeah. How are you feeling these days? How's the recovery coming? It's good. I mean, it's a day at a time. Uh, you know, I think uh, just trying to make the most of it and trying to share my story so people understand uh, what the process is like going through an injury. And um, I mean, because the principles are the same, regardless of if it's a big injury or something you've been dealing with for a long time or just a tiny little, you know, tweak or something like that, you just kind of systematically change the range you're working through, the load you're working through, um, how much volume you're doing, and then the exercises you're doing. Um, and you adjust it slowly over time. And that's how you manage pretty much any injury um, from, you know, just a general training perspective to an actual medical perspective. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit of an oversimplification. It's right. I mean, it is an oversimplification, <laughs> but uh, it can be quite simple. Uh, but it is how true. You do things. Well, um, speaking of stone series, uh, there's one in the finals at OSG, Dr. Mott. Yeah, I think I, I officially had to commit to not doing nationals and OSG. Um, so realistically, most people from an ACL can go back uh, to competing around nine months. Uh, Twelve months will put me right at clash uh, for next year. Okay. Um, six months would have been pushing it. I mean, if I was an NFL player and had more time to rehab and, you know, I was needed it for a paycheck uh, and the events were good for me at nationals, I think I would, uh, and OSG, I think I would give it a shot. But uh, I think I'm trying to play the long game and pretend like I'm wise <laughs> and see if we can oh, hold off. Absolutely. This. absolutely. Yeah, and OSG is coming up in, is it October or November? I forget. November. November. Oh, it's November 12th, right? That's the one. Yeah, November 12th is the day after my birthday. I forgot that that's the one. <laughs> yep. OSG should be awesome. So OSG uh, didn't happen last year, right, because of the whole world situation. So they're back this year, and that should be really, uh, really awesome to watch. Yeah, I think the thing I'm excited about is uh, Lane was at Clash helping out. I mean, to me, uh, before Furman started doing everything he was doing with Clash, Lane was the game changer with OSG. And I, I really feel like that was one of the bigger contests where I felt like I was treated like an athlete first um, and not just like a paycheck uh, for people. Uh, and so, you know, um, he even brought his car up there and was planning to use it for the contest. But now the, the car, the car walk uh, in OSG was going to be there. So um, I think he was taking notes there and I'm interested to see what he'll do for OSG. 
um, now that clash has happened. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I wonder if um, Isaac, remember Mammoth Strain Challenge? They had middleweights there too, didn't they? So uh, those happen in January, guys. So you might wanna might wanna look into that. David Waters puts that on, and uh, that was a hell of a competition last time around. So that might interest you as well. Yeah, that was a great show to watch as well because we uh, live streamed that with uh, Garage Gym Media. Yeah, they had some pros there. Bobby Thompson was there. Marcus Crowder was there. Travis was there. Um, Stan Carradine. Uh, who am I missing? I don't want to miss people. Sorry. Wes, Wes Claiborne was there. Wes was Travis there. Travis was there. Wes tried that uh, that sandbag record, which I uh, was very adamant I felt was too heavy of a starting weight, and nobody listened yeah. to me. But uh, <laughs> um, I believe Trey was there too. Now that I think about it, I think Trey showed up last minute to try that record. Yeah, and uh, you know when Trey shows up, they let him do what he wants. <laughs> so yeah, 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 that was cool. But uh, yeah, lots of record breakers there too. Jessica Fithin broke a record. Gabriel Bergholzer broke a record. Um, Corey Butler broke broke I think a strongman corp record, but not a world record in the axle. So it was it was pretty uh pretty awesome show. And Aaron Blackford, I believe, was his name. He took my block press world record. Oh, did he uh, really? Yeah, at one ninety eight or two hundred. He collapsed. Didn't he collapse on his attempt? Yeah, on his second. Yeah. He came back and hit it on his third. Yeah, he's a he's a strong dude. He's a strong dude. And then uh, some more. Uh, record breaker friends of the show, Steve Schmidt and Wyatt Dawson did incredible at that show as well. They've both been on yep, here. So yep. great guys, really great guys. Um, yeah. Sometimes you talk to like giant guys, like, like Steve and you don't expect him to be so kind. Like, you oh, know, like, he's, he's so, so nice. I, I he's saw so him nice. at Mammoth and he goes, come here, man, give me a hug. I haven't seen you in forever. And so we just, you know, hugged. He asked about my family and my son and it was just like, man, I forgot how nice you were. Yeah, he and I had like an hour and a half long conversation. He's just such a nice guy. He's actually the the person who convinced me not to be hard on Thor because of the whole the whole Eddie <laughs> Thor thing. He's like, when I met Thor, he was the nicest guy in the world. We had a conversation, we talked shop. I'm like, all right, I'll I'll uh, I'll reconsider. <laughs> Steve Schmidt says awesome it must before. be so. Yeah, well, I was gonna say that that was also before Thor had the entourage of fifty people following him everywhere, though. So, I think. I think the uh, mob effect kind of had some impact on Thor's mentality. Yeah. Well, I mean, the mob came out and he took, uh, that was the year he took his title, right? So I think every year after that, people have had a little bit bigger posse they've been bringing with them. True. Yeah, that's true. Um, what did you guys think of uh, the city chosen for world's strongest man it turned out to be ultra hot like why don't they choose temperate areas to have these things and this isn't the first time this has happened you mean like Juneau, alaska or something and <laughs> somewhere 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 in between it's not too cold and not too hot it seems like botswana sacramento it's always somewhere super hot like okay they couldn't control the hurricane last year i get that but choose somewhere temperate I think they just like watching them suffer, uh, to be honest. But honestly, if you look at where all of they've had the world's strongest man, I mean, it's all been places that they could, you know, go out and explore and have a vacation. Um, kind of what we were talking about with Clash, how much we enjoyed the beach and stuff like that. I mean, when I went to 
my third worlds was in India. I mean, and there wasn't anything around in India. You know what I mean? I would have much rather been melting at a beach as opposed to melting in India. So I don't know. Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, the setting was cool. Like I didn't realize that Sacramento had that kind of old uh, Western feel to it. But uh, yeah, the setting was up with the trains was really actually very cool. But just to hear that it was 109 degrees one of those days, I'm like, why are you putting these guys through this? But, you know, they, they've had it in like the UK and stuff in the past as well. And so it's been raining when people are trying to do events. And like, so they've had, they have had some of the other stuff, but I think lately it's been a lot more of the, uh, the hotter locations that they've been picking. Yeah, speaking of melting on the beach, Tyler, we were talking with Andrew earlier about the sand events at Clash. Uh, what are your feelings about how they went, the keg and the loading? Well, honestly, I was super relieved that those were those ended up being on sand. Um, and I may have spoken with Dr. Mock about this, but I can't remember. Very few people knew. I had a fractured foot about six weeks before Clash, um, and I did keg, keg throws like once, and I was like, this feels terrible. I'm not going to do these anymore. Uh, so I just didn't train them. And then we got to push off on the sand. I was like, well, this feels great. So it ended up saving my foot a lot of pressure. Um, same with the loading medley. I wasn't able to do a whole lot of moving events or anything like that in prep. But, you know, being in the sand kind of relieved some of that pressure that was on the forefoot where it was fractured at. So uh, That's an interesting perspective. I never would have thought of that if you have that type of injury, how you can uh, kind of relieve the pressure under a softer surface. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, because I was just thinking it from a perspective of uh, you don't have any leg drive or a lot less leg drive on a keg toss in sand. But uh, that's an interesting perspective, though. Well, I actually I mean, I don't know if it's just the way I throw and the way I generate torque with my hips. Um, I didn't really notice. I, I listened to Dr. Mock's part um, and maybe my first steps were just so heavy, like digging into the sand, how I externally rotate. Um, to initiate that position. Uh, maybe I just kind of skipped that set or skipped that step. I don't know. Um, but I was able to generate some pretty good power, surprisingly, uh, in the sand. I'd never, like I said, I'd only thrown kegs, you know, one time before, and I ended up not having to rethrow any of those. Uh, went through and threw all, all eight of them, I believe. Um, so I just, you know, kind of got fortunate that it all fell together the way it did. So extremely impressive run. <laughs> extremely Thank impressive. You. Thank you. I was just as surprised as y'all were. If it makes you feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of the loading medley, did the uh, fire hydrant t- try to take a pound of flesh like it did to Dr. Mock? No, but I made a, a super beginner move. Um, so I started with the block, I loaded the block, and then I went down to load the whatever the next implement was. Whenever I got to the tire, I loaded it. Um, but there was like a little ditch where they had been rolling the implements off. So I had to like put it on my head. So I pushed it up on the thing. And I got like halfway back and the tire fell off. And instead of just grabbing the next thing and then getting it when I got back down there, like an idiot, I just ran down and reloaded the tire and then ran all the trip that I just backtracked and grabbed the next piece. So I ended up burning valuable time there. I I got to the barrel as time expired. So uh, I didn't really expect the medley to be a very good event for me, but it ended up going decent. So Did you, did you feel like the platform was wide enough for the number of implements? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. didn't get up there enough. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause from a fan's perspective, I always wonder sometimes things fall off and I'm like, Hmm, are they making it wide enough? Or are they trying to make yeah, it hard yeah. on them? Like, well, it was also super, super tall. I think it was like 54 inches or 52 inches or something like that. And then we had to contend with, you know, when they would roll the implements off, like it would push the sand away underneath the platform and we did it, you know, last. So there was a nice little ditch. Uh, and obviously I'm not the most 
uh, vertically gifted person in the field. I can't be six foot four like Dr. Mock. So, um, yeah, those were already a chore. Um, but the tire was the only one that I kind of had a problem with just cause it got caught on my head the way it did. But Tyler, I have to ask what, what was, what was the, uh, proposed strategy going into the, with the block and the other implements on the moving medley that was in high discussion prior to the competition for you? Oh, I wasn't even going to try to touch the barrel. I, that, that training went awful. Um, I was just going to try to get the four down as fast as I could. Uh, and then, you know, flip it like a tire until I got to the platform and then somehow try to get it to my shoulder. But I wasn't very optimistic about that, if I'm being honest. Yeah, are barrels generally a problematic implement? Because same thing happened at World's Strongest Man. Like, I heard a lot of people much more knowledgeable than me saying, like, why the hell do they make them lift those giant barrels? I mean, it, it, yeah, it's tough. Uh, it's definitely a wingspan thing uh, to be able to grab it. So, um, you know, me and Reed, um, I think, had huge advantages there. Um, I don't remember if he could just grab it upright, but like I could just slap my hand on the side and grab an edge. Um, whereas a lot of guys were having to precariously like tilt it up onto a leg and then almost like shoulder it um, to be able to move with it. So um, it's certainly, you know, strong man's going to favor being, you know, shorter and stockier sometimes favor being taller. Sometimes I will happily admit the entire time during the heats that it favored being taller uh, and being able to move fast. So um, but yeah, that, that thing was nasty. And uh, a lot of guys got a lot of tweaks, uh, training it, um, because yeah. it's, it's a, it's a weird object and it slips. Yeah. That was the worst part is it being a half full of water. Um, like I could, you know, relatively get a hold of it. Um, but once I had to move and it just, it was like a big carrying a big shake weight. So what did it weigh? I forget. Uh, I think it was supposed to weigh 200, but I'm not, it was around there. Sounds right. Now, 200 sounds really heavy given that World's Strongest Man, I think, was 250, and they're a lot bigger than you guys. It was really. <laughs> like, that's a, isn't that a crazy amount of weight uh, and not even taking into account the sloshing around? Well, I, I, it's kind of interesting. And, in like, uh, you know, when you're talking about, like, deadlift, overhead press, uh, and even farmers, I feel like there's a much bigger gap in the implement weights uh, when, you're, when you're comparing to even the amateur and the, the middleweight strong men, but when it's, you're talking about implements like front carries, I mean, a 300 pound sandbag has been a, a middleweight sandbag at worlds, um, for the past couple of years. And then, you know, a lot of times you'll still see them only carrying like 300, 330, I think, shoot, what was it? America's strongest man. That was the first time they really pushed it higher and got closer to a 400 bag. Um, so I think their anvil was 275. Iris was 250. Uh, so it's not really that far off when you're talking about the implements. And I think honestly, and I, I say this with great confidence, a lot of the, the middleweights could probably, especially in that top 10 group could hang with some of the pros in some of those loading medleys for sure. And would probably be dusting and hurting quite a few feelings. Oh, 100%. Overhead for sure. Because I did hear that, uh, Travis Ortmeyer was training with Nick Camby on overhead after clash. To try to improve for world. Who's going to leave Nick out of us? Uh, I did hear they actually had some uh, a Russian weightlifting coach for a little while, so releasing his secrets out there. Um, so you know, I think um, you know, especially for the smaller guys, uh, depending on your build, a jerk's going to be the way to go. And I'm you know happy to see more people having success with it. Inversely, I wish we would squat the actual weight that 
they would squat at World's Strongest Man and, you know, to see how we stack up. So. How many reps did you hit with that weight, Tommy? Uh, I hit 700 for a triple Friday uh, with the axle walkout because I wanted to see after, you know, somebody zeroed, I wanted to see how I many already called got. You don't have to worry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I got three. Is this the point where we mention Oberst again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I put this in several comments uh, after I posted that video. I'm by no stretch like an Oberst hater or anything like that. I just hate that he's taken away from like this young crop of American athletes that are so talented. Jose Baez and Marcus Crowder and Gabe Pena and um, Wes Claiborne. I mentioned him earlier. Um, just, you know, killers in their own right. And, you know, they're getting overshadowed. So uh, it's really frustrating being, you know, friends with all of these people and them getting, you know, passed over when he's just there. Jose Baez is a beast. Actually, when I, first, when I, when I interviewed Gabe Pena, I asked him, who's your favorite uh, person you've ever competed with? And he said, Jose Baez. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still confused as to how Gabe didn't get into World's Strongest Man. He basically said... They're still concerned about his heart issue from last year, which he's he's always said he's been cleared of. So um, I really don't know what actually happened there. Do either of you, maybe Dr. Mock, have a medical perspective on what might have happened there? I, I mean, not to go into his like uh, medical problems, and I've not personally talked to him about it, but I mean, um, this is one of the things we were talking about heart conditions, or we were talking about testicular cancer before that gets young guys, but uh, the things that get young athletes are heart conditions. So I think there is some merit to having some extra scrutiny um, and, and protecting the guys a little bit harder. Um, I don't know what he's had looked into, but um, I wish him the best and look forward to seeing what he's doing. Cause man, he was looking like a monster in training. Absolutely. Deadlift for sure. Like he looked among the best deadlifters in the world. And I would just say like, they ended up giving him like uh, quite a battery of testing, like all the, the, the best cardiological testing that they could like, just do that a few days earlier, and if that's going to turn out positive, let him compete, you know? So it just seemed like it was done at the last second. That's kind of my my take on it, but I that's wasn't there. The that I got as well as, you know, they flew him out there to be an alternate, um, and then Graham Hicks ended up pulling out. So they are like, hey, go get cleared, and, it you know, it just wasn't that easy. It couldn't happen that fast. Um, it's kind of the way I interpreted it anyway, um, just speaking with one of his clients, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I really like Irvin Toots, don't get me wrong, but like I, I had interviewed Gabe a few months earlier and he thought he was the number one alternate all along and I was getting really amped up to watch him possibly compete because you always expect at least one person's going to, you know, going to pull out. So, But he seems in good spirits over it anyway. He'll, uh, he'll be back. What'd you guys think was the biggest surprise in World's Strongest Man? There were a couple, <laughs> or many, I should say. Um, I mean, I think at least the biggest elephant in the room is that Group Five uh, in the qualifiers, and uh, I think Tyler and I were actually in a, a thread posting about it, and that was kind of one of the interesting comparisons between World's Strongest Man and Clash, and like thinking about that, well, like. Tyler was voted in with the fan vote um, because he was in a disgusting group, but still, you know, rank him against all the other guys in the top 10. And he's, you know, in, you took fourth, right, Tyler? Fifth. Fifth. So, I mean, like he's, 
you know, he's, he's crushing it. So it's like, if you have guys, well, um, like Alexi, like missing out, but if you ranked the top four guys in that group and they're still within the top 10, um, it's like, or the qualifiers, they're just beating everybody else out. Uh, it's kind of interesting. And so thinking about how something like a fan vote or like saying like, ah, this is the toughest group was take an extra person because some people got hurt. Um, was an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, what do you think about having groups at all? Because, I mean, many other uh, contests don't. What's Bahrain was just 15 guys or whatever, 13 guys, and they were ranked, like, 1 to 15. So, um, I mean, I guess World's Strongest Man wants to differentiate themselves and uh, do something that's a bit more challenging. But what do you think about having groups at all, should they? I See, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted. Here's how I would do it if I were running it. I would invite like 40 or 50 of the strongest guys. There wouldn't be any alternates. There wouldn't be any anything. And they'd have three events each day or whatever. And every day you lose 10. Like, so the bottom 10 get eliminated and they don't go to day two. And then the next day, the next 10 get eliminated and they don't go to day three. And then whatever the final is, it have, you know, four or five events. And it scored just like a regular showman competition when you get to that last 10. And then you have your top 10 from there. That's how I would do it. But that's, it'd be better for TV, but whatever. Yeah. And I've never been to a, a world strongest man personally, but I think the reason the groups worked so well and uh, were nice to have at Clash on the Coast was because of how it was filmed. So we would hop from event to event to event and uh, immediately go right into the next person doing a lift, uh, which did require the groups because if I was doing, uh, event three first that's not fair to be ranked against the guy that was doing event uh three last in that sense so um i'm sure there's some filming involved with the groups um, i don't know if having so many groups is the, is the best way to go about that interesting looks like we lost tyler i'll bring him back in there he is pop him back in sorry fellas yeah no worries no worries we actually had uh, some conversation going on in the comments. Have you guys seen this uh, Sylvester Stallone fake weights controversy? And what do you think about that? I mean, Stallone's doing something right. That's all I'll say. Uh, how old is he? He's in his sixties now, seventies. How old is he? Seventies, I think. Yeah, and, yeah. And 70s, so uh, he's doing I, I haven't right. seen it, but Steve, uh, Sylvester Stallone can do whatever he wants. So that's where I'm at with it. <laughs> so let me, well, I'll ask the question a different way. Like, never mind Sylvester Stallone. Is it possible? to uh, get on all fours, hold 245s, and lift them up in the air while on your knees, out in front of you? I mean, it's possible. But no, I can only spend my time on all fours, so I'd have to think about this. <laughs> I saw Greg Doucette tried it on, and on his uh, YouTube channel. If you don't know him, he has a huge channel, and he couldn't do it, and he's an IFBB pro, so uh, there you go. So Maybe what Celeste did he do exactly? He was on all fours. Let me let me see if I can find it. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> you guys, uh, Isaac, why don't you talk about something else while I look for it, if you don't mind? Sure. Um, well, actually, going back to World's Strongest Man, I think it's funny. I got to meet uh, Ober a couple weeks ago um, before World's Strongest Man, and it was actually really funny because the entire time we talked. All he talked about was how he was going to set the new log world record. Um, and I remember mentioning to him, like, well, you have to make it to the finals to, to set the world record. And he was like, oh, yeah, it, you know, it's whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then he didn't make the finals. And I was like, well, 
kind of told you. <laughs> like, I don't know. He did do better than I've ever seen him do, though. You got to give him some credit. I mean, he didn't make it to the finals, but he did. He won that um, that loading medley at the beginning, so he did do uh, better. Yeah. And Tyler, Tyler, I'm like you. I'm no overstater either. I'm just. Oh, uh, yeah. kinda, just talking facts. Yeah. So. yeah. End of the day, he's still a world-class athlete. Oh, yeah. There's nothing you can fault the guy for. All right. Let's yeah. see. Yeah. Can you guys see this? Yep. All right. Let's play it. Oh, so that's Greg Doucette trying to mimic him. I want – there you go. Here's Stallone. So, basically, he does this and stands up with him. Oh, yeah. It can't be that hard. Well, he's doing them with 25s. So wait, let me, let's see. Here you go. So what do you think? Fake weights or real weights? I don't know. I need to see this now, Tyler. Do it. I mean, I I'm out here in the garage. I could probably, <laughs> I could probably knock one out. Um, now nah, I, I think it's real. He's a strong guy, man. Why? I mean, here's what I'm looking at. I mean, look at the settings. Like, why would you take fake 45 pound plates into a gym? No, like it's. Just, I think it's real. I don't know. I'm gonna give it a day. How many generations has that guy shaved and got people to lift? Uh, like I, yeah. like I think Tyler said, I don't really care what he does at this point. As long as <laughs> I mean, still encouraging also, people to lift. Like, I mean, he's also worked out at a very, very high level for like 50 years now. So, I mean, I don't think it'd be unrealistic to think that, you know, somebody could have that kind of kinesthetic awareness. So. Yeah, for sure. Juan Daniels in the comments, he wants me to sign up for a strongman comp. So he says, let's see, here's a great idea for your channel. Sign up for a strongman comp, do a full prep. Take us through it and record the full comp. You obviously have the strongest friends around. I do. I have uh, these gentlemen. I have Travis Ortmeyer. I got Big Laws. I do have the strongest friends around. Um, I also have kids that I'm looking after, but uh, maybe we'll make that happen one of these days. Isaac is like across the other side of the country, so that's what makes it hard to train with him. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll try to make it happen. We got we actually got Johnny Waz close by. You know what? Maybe I'll try it. Maybe I'll try it. Yep, just do it. If you always wait to be ready, you never will. So just jump in. Now I always tell stories. I've never competed, but I like doing that kind of stuff. When I was a little kid, I had my little like bent, you know, fifty pound uh, bench press set. But like I said, forget that. I like uh, grabbing my dad's keys, putting the car in neutral, and pushing it up and down the driveway. That was fun for me, you know. Yeah. I was uh, I was an only child, so I had to be uh, creative with uh, what I did for fun, and that's what I did. And uh, growing up, same thing. Like we had to build a retaining wall. I'm like, well, I got a bunch of stones over there. I could use a wheelbarrow to get them over here, or I could carry them, which is way more fun. So that's, you know, I've uh, I've always kind of had the bug. I've just never competed. Now you can carry them, load them into the wheelbarrow, and then push the wheelbarrow back. There you go. All right. I'll uh, call myself Bruce Wilhelm. <laughs> I, can, I can beat him now. <laughs> did you guys watch Worlds uh, growing up, and did you have a favorite? Oh, for sure, Marius. I mean, I think he's the reason a lot of us got in the sport. So, just, how about I'm you? I'm not going to hear a different answer from me. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, just seeing like him as an explosive athlete, and then, in a, even though his physique is insane, um, and his, his speed and 
his powers and saying uh, relate more relatable because he's not, you know, he's what six foot three um, compared to like Shaw and Thor, six eight, six nine. Yeah, super so, relatable. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, having someone that's like not just this complete freak of nature that was born to do this. Uh, um, I mean, he certainly was uh, with winning five titles, but uh, definitely Marius. Interesting that you both picked the same uh, competitor. My favorite was always Magnus Samuelson, but uh, yeah, I watched a lot of Marius as well growing up. Isaac, who was your favorite? I uh, honestly, I didn't really watch a ton of Strongman growing up um, until right around like Lauren Shawley was getting into it. So I started watching him a bit and then went back and watched all Big Z stuff. Um, and so I was definitely a Big Z fan uh, from his earliest stuff. I um, I was never a huge fan of, of Marius. I mean, he, he was great. Uh, he's one of the best. Um, I don't know. I was like Big Z better. I was like, you know, Brian Shaw. And then as I watched all the old stuff, then, you know, Kaz Meyer, stuff like that. Not to start a debate or anything. But. <laughs> how would Kaz do against today's competitors? There's a debate for you. Which Kaz? When he was winning or after he had the little, you know, six-year hiatus or whatever it was? Oh, when they stopped inviting him back because they knew he, he was winning too much? No, when he was winning. I think they came enough that it wouldn't matter. I, I don't I don't think – I think that he would fall – I mean, it, it would obviously take him a few years to, you know, be where he needed to be. Like, if we were to have prom cast just, you know, teleport into World's Strongest Man, it'd take him a year or two to catch up. But, no, he'd, he'd fall right in, and I, I think he'd pick right up. Yeah, I mean, I feel like equilibrating for today's nutrition and training methods and whatnot, Kaz, for me, is number three all time. It's Z, Brian, Shaw, and Kaz. I'd probably agree with that. I think Kaz was just – I mean, obviously, there were a lot of other good strongmen at the time as well, but, like, Kaz was kind of in a different league, I think. And maybe, you know, maybe he had a, a cocaine addiction or something that helped get him to that level, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure on that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I put him at third. That's up there. It's close. I got Mark Henry's in my top three, though, for, you know. Mark Henry. That's right. I mean, you awesome. guys, probably, probably from what you've said, you probably both put Marius above him. But Mark Henry. No. no? No, I mean Marius is my favorite to watch, but as okay. far as the strongest people to ever compete, no, I, I think that Zadrunas holds that title comfortably, um, and then I'd probably put put Mark Henry at second. Um, I don't know who I'd put third, but it probably wouldn't be Kaz. World strongest blacksmith says Kaz will always be number one all time. Mark well, Mark Kaz Henry is a. Mark Henry was a bit of a surprise because when he competed at that, that it was the first Arnold's, right? And uh, I knew him later as a professional wrestler. And, you know, I've watched wrestling since I was a kid. So, you know, you grow up, you start to learn about it's, it's physically taxing and demanding, but it is also the wins are choreographed, right? So, like, I thought World's Strongest Man is his gimmick. Like, he's not actually the World's Strongest Man. Then you hear, wait a minute, he won Arnold's. I guess he is the world's strongest man. And uh, 
you know, the story behind the scenes, if you haven't heard, it goes that Vince McMahon told him, like, you have to go there and win to preserve the gimmick or you're fired. So uh, he had some extra motivation. Yeah. Well, he's also one of only, like, three or five people to ever clean and press the inch dumbbell with one hand. He didn't use the other hand to clean it up. He did that. It it was like um, they were having dinner or something. It wasn't even in the gym, right? Like, he just walked in and just amazed everybody. Yeah. Weightlifting, powerlifting, and then strongman. Yeah. Give me him top two all day. Tyler, were you ever actually able to pick the inch with one hand? No, I got it about to my knees. That's about as far as these little Burger King hands will get for now, but I'm working on it. I mean, that's still impressive. We we actually went down to Ode's place, and uh, we were, of course, you have to try it. Like, if you're messing around with an inch dumbbell, you have to try and pick it with one hand. I mean, you're sitting next to the guy that's picked it, what, like 60-something yeah. times in 10 minutes. <laughs> and he just walk, he's training someone over on bench press, and he just walks over and just slaps his hand on it, picks it up, and we're just like, all right, we're done. <laughs> we're going home. So I, uh, I, I'm about 45 minutes south of where Furman is stationed right now in Kentucky. So I drove up to train with him, and the first time – that I cleaned and pressed it. I was like, Oh wow, this is a lot different. Um, so I ordered one like that day. I was like, I have to have one of these to train on. So as soon as it came in, like it was just grip central out here trying to get my hands ready for it, but they just, they're not there yet. <laughs> and then the inch is what a two and a half or a two and three quarters. Uh, I think it's two and three eighths um, not split hairs or anything. Um, but it's just problematic because it's all fixed. Like if you don't have your hand in just the right position, it'll roll right out and just humble you. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I've tried it with a fat grip, which has a lot more grip to it than uh, than an inch, and it's still hard. Yeah. I've just been working. I said, let me just try this with a regular dumbbell, get as strong as I can, and then throw a fat grip on it and make it harder. And uh, yeah. I'm not even up to 172 on a regular dumbbell yet, so we'll, uh, we'll keep working. Yeah. But uh, Dr. Mock, were you able to get it up? Uh, not, I, I was able to pick it with one hand. Uh, I, the interesting thing about that dumbbell is we were, we were thinking it was going to feel much closer to the, the Mike Bartos, uh, like big globe dumbbell, <laughs> but it's actually completely different. Um, both Bromley and I felt like it was really stacked on the shoulder and that like you could really get a lot of force into there. But, uh, kind of what Tyler was saying is if your hand was off, it felt pretty unstable up top and it felt like it was ready to roll. Um, so that was probably the hardest part was like at lockout it feeling like slightly less unstable, but at the shoulder, I felt like it was locked in there. It felt pretty good. Yeah. If you're not a very linear presser with that, it'll, it'll wreck your whole world. And it took like a lot of trial and error of me, you know, jumping and punching uh, into the right position and not eating it because it would come back and hit me in the head uh, if I wasn't, you know, actively trying to get out of the way. But um, yeah, it's definitely a, an interesting piece. Uh, to press that I think a lot of people kind of underestimated. So, Yeah, absolutely. Have you guys seen that video of Brian Shaw doing a, an incline shoulder press with two Thomas inches? <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> Fellas, I'm going to have to hop off here in about two or three minutes and put this little little boy to bed. Yeah, man, we uh, we totally <laughs> understand. And uh, it was awesome having you on. Thanks for jumping on. Oh, no, I appreciate you shooting me the invite. I was just looking for something to watch on the way home from work, so – uh, kind of worked out. Yeah, man. We see some uh, incredible people jump on the comments. We have to invite them. That's just how it works. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah, that. Man. Yeah, man. Well, when we do this, 
we do this every Monday, same time. So we alternate. Uh, John's channel takes it one week, and then my channel takes it the other week. So we go back and forth. So if you're ever bored on a Monday night, definitely look us up. All right, sounds good. <laughs> smash right. my blog. Do you guys have any other questions for me before I roll out? Tyler, when's your when's your show? My show's January fifteenth. Okay. And what's in your what city? Nashville. Okay. Yeah, you gonna come out? Um, I'm trying to figure out if I can, will be able to fly out to some of the, some of them. I still won't be competing in any of them, although I think it yeah. would be nice. But uh, uh, looking forward to uh, some other things that are coming down the pipeline that some of yeah. us know about. Um, wait, and, wait. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll just have to see where, where right. it all goes. All right, brother. Happy Thanks, Tyler. Have yeah, good night. Tyler, real quick, any, uh, any more information you want to give about that show to get athletes to sign up or anything you want to promote before you run? Um. I think that we got a lot of our initial signups knocked out. I think now we'll just catch a lot of the people that don't qualify at Waco or Denver. Right now we're sitting at about 27 signups, um, which is a lot um, considering it's all the way out in January. And we've got, you know, some big people signed up. Luke Meredith, Gary Petrovsky, Anthony Deal, Justin mm -hmm. Lloyd. I mean, strong, strong cats. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I've got uh, – I have verbal commitments from some very, very strong deadlifters that we may have seen this last week, um, wink, wink, um, that are hopefully going to come down and put on a show for us, along with uh, two deadlifters that are already signed up and Sean Schumacher and Anthony Pernice that are going to pull just insane numbers. Um, have a couple ladies that are going to come, come down and pull some crazy numbers. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a good time, like a good time. Awesome, buddy. Anything I can do to help uh, spread the word for you, you just let me know. Happy to do it. Hey, we'll do. Hey, you guys have a good night. Appreciate you. You too, me. man. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay, see you tonight. So, Isaac, what else do we have for Dr. Mock? I know we're going to be uh, wrapping up pretty soon. Um, shoot, I don't know. Well, I mean, we can go back to more of the medical stuff. That's uh, I've seen a bunch of ACL, you know, tear and recoveries and all that sort of stuff. Um. I don't know what all. Uh, well, actually, because you said that they didn't trim the meniscus in your knee; they just repaired so, the ACL. Yeah. So uh, I'd actually had a meniscus tear back in two thousand eight or so. So I didn't have a whole lot on the side that I tore. Um, so they trimmed it up, um, but they didn't repair it. And if they repair it, then they lock you with your knee straight for like six weeks um, with not yeah. much weight bearing at all. So. In some ways, like you want them to repair it, right? Because you got a little bit more cushion hanging around for longevity. But I was, man, I was really wanting to get back to it. Um, so, you know, now like two weeks out, um, I could start like adding some sort of load to it with doing range of motion squats. And now um, right. you know, looking forward to next week, actually being able to move with some weight, which is just more than my body weight. Um, so, so, um, is the surgeon still overseeing your rehab or because I mean, I mean, because I know you're an MD, but it's not necessarily your specialty. So do they allow you to run your own rehab or do they still uh, give you guidelines? Yeah. So, I mean, this is it's, it's a tough spot. Uh, he, he does give me guidelines and um, I kind of have pushed him a little bit because, you know, I think it unless you've got someone at a big institution that's worked with a lot of like, essentially football players or stuff like that. They're not used to the kind of 
forces that we put on our bones. This is like my medical claim to fame right now uh, is that uh, he told me after the surgery, he's like, yeah, we've almost exclusively gone to plastic screws uh, when we're doing these ACL reconstructions, but uh, we actually had to put metal ones in there because I was terrified it was going to break going into your bones because they're so hard from all the weights you lift. So, um, I mean, there's definitely some unique aspects about what we do and what we want to get back to, you know, we're not trying to get back to like walking or like being able to play with our kids. We're trying to get back to like really pushing the boundaries, uh, and, and competing at a world-class level. So, um, I'm working within his guidelines. And then, um, I have a couple of friends that are, uh, in physical therapy that are strongman competitors. And then, uh, a really close personal friend that's a physical therapist. Um, and so, Basically, I'm like, all right, these are the protocols that I'm planning on doing uh, based off what I read. Any of this seem unreasonable? They're like, oh, you're good. So <laughs> that's where we're going right now. Yeah. Nice. Were, uh, were they able to use, did they use a cadaver or were they able to use your own tissue? Yeah. So uh, I went with a patellar graft. So they actually take uh, a piece of the kneecap in addition to the tendon. Um, and hopefully the, the bone itself will adhere to the femur bone. A little bit better than you know a tendon that doesn't have good blood supply so the thought right now is that that's supposed to be the strongest um, but it does come with more side effects like i can't i'll probably never feel the outside of my leg ever again on the skin because uh, you do have to cut a nerve to get there um, but i was looking for stability uh, and really being able to just explode into those movements like um, um, you know the finger fingers when it was caving on me i never wanted to feel that again uh, so i just want to not question it at all in terms of how strong it is so if they're looking at, so, cause you said they're leaving the meniscus right now, but you've already had a meniscus cleanup on both sides. Um, so are you at like a 30% left or, uh, yeah, how much he didn't, he didn't say there's not a lot. I'll tell you that on the, the, okay. the, the medial side, uh, there's not a whole lot that's left yeah. there. So I am feeling some pain on that side. Um, we'll just see how it goes. And again, just kind yeah. of progress things and do it. Uh, if I'm not tolerating the movement, we'll see what needs to be adjusted um to get back to that tolerance but you know hmm. uh, resistance training is going to be the answer to pretty much every musculoskeletal injury other than time so i think we're in the right place and doing the right things yeah no that's definitely because um i messed up both my knees when i was in training with the seals and so i ended up having uh, meniscectomy on both sides and i tore my mcl my right knee and so i had to have all that uh fixed up and I'm at, I think I have like 50% of my meniscus left on my right knee and I'm down to like 30-ish percent on my left knee. And so I was talking to the surgeon afterwards and and um, he was like, yeah, basically like next time, because there probably will be a next time, next time something like this happens, we're going to have to do a meniscus replacement. Um, and it's one of those things. So we were talking about that and walked through all that sort of stuff and everything and um it, uh, it doesn't look like a lot of fun. So I was like, well, I'm going to keep these meniscus operating for as long as possible and hopefully just ride it out. But it's interesting because if I like running irritates my knees, um, but heavy squats, heavy, like all that sort of stuff, I feel great. And I've noticed if I don't work out for a couple days, that's when my knees start hurting and aching and, and feeling stiff. Um, so it's a good reminder to keep, keep going and lifting weights and, and uh, use and abuse, but it, Honestly, they feel way better. Yeah, and I mean that the adage is right. Motion is lotion. Uh, is, I think is what we've gotten away, gotten toward instead of being like the wear and tear um, when we talk about it. 
Um, but, uh, you know, we do have studies that resistance training, people think you're going to wear out your joints, but we have studies that it can actually regenerate uh, cartilage and things like the meniscus to some degree. You can't, you're not going to go back to 100%, but at the end of the day, right, if you just completely wear out your knee somehow, uh, I forget Vladimir's last name, but right, double knee replacement and after a double knee replacement still, you know, squatting 1200 pounds, setting a world record. So that's, that's what, that's what I'm hearing. Get a double knee replacement, get a world record in the squat. They, uh, they put hydraulics in there or something to, to give you a boost. Um, yeah, I know I was, cause after the surgery and everything, when we were talking about it and, and, um, he, he presented me with the option of basically like, well, we could try doing, like a stem cell injection and see if something like that would help. Um, but everything I, I have is handled by the VA and they don't want to pay for it. And so I was like, I don't want to shell out 20 grand or whatever it is to do a stem cell injection because uh, I don't have that cash. So <laughs> maybe I can get a sponsorship at some point and yeah. do it that way. Yeah, maybe. This is kind of one of the interesting things too. I mean, like, people like will take a medicine for like depression or something and it doesn't work. So what do they do? They try a different medicine, uh, but they go to a physical therapist and it doesn't help them with their problem. And then this like immediately the next step is, all right, well, you failed that just go to surgery. And people don't think like, well, maybe just try a different physical therapist that has like a technique that might work for you. It's like, we know we're not all going to respond the same, right? You look at the, like compare me and Tyler, right? Uh, Tyler is, is a very explosive athlete, but he's just insanely statically strong. Whereas I, relative to the other guys, I just am not. So we're going to have different things that we respond to. And that extends all the way to actually dealing with a medical problem and an injury. So physical therapy is not working. Exercise is not working. Try something different. That doesn't mean you have to immediately go into surgery and, you know, have your shoulder replaced or something like that. No, I definitely agree with that. I think it was it was really great because the PT that I ended up working for for several years um, before I decided to go back to school to finish my get my doctorate in physical therapy. Um, he'd been working for over 40 years as a physical therapist. Um, and so he opened his clinic before I was born. So that was kind of an interesting, you know, you're like, oh, wow, you've you've been here a hot minute. Um, but it was really interesting because he. Uh, he'd been doing it for so long, we would get patients all the time coming from other clinics because they, they weren't seeing improvements. And then they talked to their friend and they're like, well, you definitely need to go and see Greg. And he was, he was the type of guy where like the moment someone would walk in the room, he'd be like, Oh, well, this is wrong. This is wrong. Let's work on this. And after four or five appointments, they're feeling dandy and on their way, or he'd be, you know, right away be like, well, no, you actually need surgery for this. We're, we're going to, send you that way. And so it was really awesome working for someone like that, who was so knowledgeable and who had worked in the field for so long. Um, he actually knew what he was doing, <laughs> but, uh, some of the guys coming fresh out of school, nothing against them, but it takes a couple years to establish yourself and actually get good at what you're doing. Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, physical therapy and medicine shared this in general is, you know, at any given time, we're like 15 to 20 years behind on the research. So there's like all of this stuff that's coming out that like, you know, this surgery is probably not that good for the problem we're treating or, yeah, we don't really need to do this specific type of manual therapy um, to get good outcomes. But um, we're still doing it because like we're trained that way and there's this lag in the research catching up. So, I mean, it's constantly changing. So unless you're someone that's always reading, 
um, you can get stuck in an old paradigm and not be doing the best for your patients or if you're, if you're managing your own physical therapy uh, yourself. Yeah, we have a we have an oddball question in the comments, so we're going to take a break from this very informative segment. But uh, what are your thoughts on Kale Beck? I've heard mixed things about him. Some like him, some don't. I've heard all positive things about Kale Beck. I think his content's great. I love it all, and he coaches Jessica Fithin, who's one of the strongest women in the world. So I've, I have nothing but positive things to say. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, um, I've only talked to him once. I think twenty seventeen nationals um, in person, but. I mean, you're talking about a guy that there was nothing, there was no content. Like you didn't, there was no instructional information on how to do strongman or anything like that. And he built all of that. So the only other person that I can think is in the same boat, as far as being in uh, on the a boot on the ground and the start is like him and Alan Thrall in terms of their, their content on YouTube from the start and really uh, changing a lot of people um, and giving them a place to go to for resources when, you know, you're th three hours away from the nearest strongman gym. So I really appreciate what he's done. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'd agree with that. I've talked, I've never met him face to face, but I've, I've chatted with him online and stuff a couple different times. And, um, you know, I've been reading his stuff and watching his videos and everything for a while. And I, uh, I've, I've never come across anything that I don't really like with him. Some of the things I may not agree with a hundred percent, but I mean, I don't think there's anyone online that I agree with a hundred percent. So that's, you know, that's a mute point, I guess. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think, I think he's a great guy and I think what he's doing is fantastic for the sport. Yeah, totally agree. So I think, uh, as we wrap up for the evening, Dr. Mock, we really do appreciate all the time that you've given us this evening. It's quite a lot of time. It's been very entertaining, super informative. I know that I've learned quite a bit. Is there anything you'd like to promote before you go? Yeah, I, I would just uh, plug uh, uh, Strength League Collective, and you know they're the ones changing the game that gave us this opportunity with Clash. So check them out. Um, you know they they have training service, but really they're just changing the game for as far as the two thirty ones. I mean, um, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Doctor Underscore Mock, um, if you just want to learn about the process that I'm going through for your, the ACL. Um, I mean, if you're going through an injury, my hope is was at some point to kind of create this like exercise compendium of like, Hey man, how the heck do I train kegs or like some other load when I can't use my leg for, but I don't want to be completely deconditioned. So um, if you ever need to brainstorm about how to work around something, it's not going to be medical advice, but we can uh, come up with some MacGyver way to, you know, keep training and doing the things that we love. Yeah, I would really appreciate that. And I'll send people your way. And uh, for folks that don't know, follow Follow dr underscore mock on IG, Dr. Mock, and uh, he's a great follow, and uh, that's what I'll plug. Awesome. So we do really appreciate all the time you've given us. Anybody who's in the audience who has not yet subscribed, please hit that subscribe button. Please like this stream. And then as soon as we're done, please head over to Hunger Smash Fitness and subscribe to him as well and watch all of his wonderful content as well. So uh, we'll wrap it up for the evening. Thank you for everybody in the audience. Thank you to Dr. Mock and to Tyler who joined us earlier. And uh, until next time, as always, ciao, homie. Thanks, guys. Take care.